Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Inside. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo right D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store, onthefinside.threadless.com. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. We're joined here previewing the Miami Dolphins Cleveland Browns game with a special guest, Pete Smith from Browns Maven SI. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Pete, thanks for joining us here tonight to break down this game. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. You bet. So, you know, elephant in the room, Miles Garrett and a few players in the Browns got into trouble last week with some some players on the Steelers, and he's going to be suspended here indefinitely. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi is also going to miss one game here, and the latest is that former Dolphin Olivier Vernon is not going to play in this contest either due due to an injury. So uh, the rate the Browns defense up front has had. Uh, a lot of talent and a lot of names there on the front four. How, how do you see them replacing that talent? Uh, I mean, right now they won't. Uh, I mean, they, just, they they don't have those guys. I mean, Olivier Vernon has been great, uh, but he's out. So now they're down, down to Chad Thomas, who's underwhelming. And then they're, they're going to have a combination of Chris Smith and Brian Cox Jr., uh, fill in at the other spot it, it, you know they maybe they decide to sign someone tomorrow uh but it seems like they're pretty much set with what they're going to go with it's you know they, they they go from having one of the better at least more talented defensive lines in the league to you know not and that's going to be a big challenge for them even against a team like the dolphins struggling as they might simply because Ryan Fitzpatrick has a weird amount of success against the Browns in his history. And if they can't get after him, he's going to be able to sort of sit back and pick them apart, which a lot of teams have been doing anyway. Look at the rest of the Browns defense. I know Joe Schobert is a name that Browns fans are very, very familiar with. And here on the show, you know, we talk about, we take a look at players that might be free agents after the year too. Uh, is do you see Joe Schobert being re-signed to a contract extension by the Browns? Do you see a part of him being a part of their long-term future there? Uh, I certainly hope so. Uh, they, they, they've got an issue on a couple of fronts. First, um, he, he's been great uh, for them. He's, but the other problem is he is literally the only you know linebacker they have that is legitimate right now. They've got – Mac Wilson, who's a rookie, and they like some of the things he's doing, it's particularly in pass coverage. He's not a very good run defender. And then they, they drafted Sione Takitaki in that same class with Mac Wilson, uh, who was sort of a developmental guy who had a hamstring injury that proved to hold him back a little bit. But if you were to let Schobert walk out the door, who's got you know Pro Bowl uh, talent and has been great this year, 
uh, you're basically creating a massive hole in the middle of your defense, which is already problematic. Their safety position has been a disaster this year. Demarius Randall has not played the same way that he did last year, where he was really, really effective. Uh, strong safety was was going to be an issue. They, they took a by committee approach when they traded Jabril Peppers away. So if you're going to let Demarius Randall walk in free agency, you don't have Jabril Peppers, and you're going to have Joe Schobert walk, then you've you know you basically caved in your own uh, defensive middle, which has already been a problem for them. As good good as Schobert is, so it it seems like he's got them over a barrel on this thing anyway. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would hope that they're going to be smart enough to get that done. He certainly warrants it uh, based on his play, based on what they're trying to do in terms of, you know, culture and combating some of the things that are going on uh, off the field that haven't been great or well, still on the field, I suppose uh, with, with what the team's been doing, but they're, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, build with the right type of player and, and along with JC Treader, who they extended uh, last week, uh, Joe Schobert would be right right along with that. Yeah, J.C. Trader, that's a player I had my eye on, too. I think they resigned him three years, $32 million, So good, solid player in the middle of that line. And, Pete, you mentioned culture as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned. You know, the Dolphins, fan, Dolphins fans heading up into this this year, you know, you've seen what's gone on with Miami, with the tank talk, with them trading away Laramie Tunzel and Minka Fitzpatrick. A lot of the talk was that the Dolphins could kind of be in that same position that the Browns were at the beginning of this year in a couple of years where they get a cornerstone like a Miles Garrett, they get Baker Mayfield, their quarterback, and now they can add on free agents and trade for an Odell Beckham and trade for a Olivier Vernon. But really my overall question is the Browns start off two and six, very disappointing this year. They win the last two games to get to four and six. What is the feeling there with the Cleveland Browns right now in the state of the franchise? Uh, that's that's good, a good question. Um, it, it, coming out, I think there was some understanding how difficult the schedule was going to be early. It, it was brutal. But when it actually started going that way and the way they played in some of those games, people weren't just, like, unhappy. They were angry. Like, there was a lot of vitriol towards this team, which has been – a weird storyline to sort of follow is, is you know, like with Freddie Kitchens has been the, the taking the brunt of a lot of it in just terms of just anger. Um, I, I think the, the wins the last two weeks were giving them some cautious optimism because the second half of the season was always really weak. Um, and, and it, it's certainly lining up to be that way, but then you have what you have Thursday night and, you go from, man, look at this. They, they beat the Bills. They beat the Steelers, which always has a little bit more weight to it. And then you have this, and it's like, you know, it's a punch to the stomach. You're really excited, ready to get ready for this game against the Dolphins, which, you know, most Browns fans still feel like they should win. Uh, and, and you were ready to maybe get three in a row with a, a shot to sort of sweep the season series against the Steelers, and then you lose the best player on your roster. You're going to lose a guy like Larry Ogunjobi, who's who's been very effective. And not only do you lose these guys, but obviously it comes with, you know, the everything that comes with that suspension, the ugliness that the, the, the came with that scene, you know, the, the horror and, and the shock that came with this, a, 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 a player that 
really has endeared himself to fans. And then you see this and you don't recognize him. And it, it's just put them yeah. in a state where I, I think a lot of people just don't know what they're supposed to think or where this thing's supposed to go. You know, there are still people who believe that, you know, the Browns could end up in the playoffs, but I think the Miles Garrett thing was a very sobering reality for a lot of people that that was sort of like the last thing that made this officially a disappointing season. So with that, Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, obviously the face of the organization, first, I think seven weeks of the year, he had six touchdowns, 12 interceptions, had some incidents with the media, list goes on and on. But over the last three weeks, five touchdowns, no interceptions. And he's also a player in his rookie year who had 27 touchdowns, as you know, in the first, in what, I think he missed two and a half games too, and he had 27 touchdowns. So has the feeling with Baker changed this year, or is it kind of still wait and see at this point? Uh, it's interesting because I think the Browns' entire plan hedged on Baker Mayfield not you know, being very, very good again. Um, they made some changes to the offensive line, which have, have proved uh, negative. But so much of it, has been that Baker Mayfield had a historic rookie year and he's not playing as well as he was in his rookie year, or at least he wasn't. And I think the the Browns front office bet that sort of Odell Beckham would fix a lot of that. And it didn't. And I, I think it caught a lot of people by surprise that Baker Mayfield would play as poorly as he did. And, and certainly he, he had help in playing that poorly. Um, I think since the bye week, he's been far more effective. I think far closer to the guy that they saw last year. It, you know, I don't think he's played a whole game like you know a lot of what they saw last year. But there are definitely glimpses in some of the the, the games since the bye week, even against the Patriots, uh, where he looked like that guy that that was going to come out and and just put up a ton of points and and lead this thing and look great. And again, I think building up these past few weeks. I think people are optimistic that, you know, he's sort of gotten where he needs to be and should continue to get better and, and leading into a team like the Dolphins who have been such a struggle on defense and apparently feel like defensive backs are optional at this point. Um, felt like this could be an opportunity for be sort of a showcase game to sort of really get him going, ha- have a big, big game until they before they go back into Pittsburgh and hopefully get some big momentum going before they play, you know, a, a slate of relatively easy opponents, including the Bengals twice, the Arizona Cardinals, and 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 teams that that just have not been successful this year. Yeah, when I look at this matchup too, yeah, you're right. The defensive backs from the beginning of the year, the Dolphins don't have Mika Fitzpatrick, they don't have Xavier Howard, Bobby McCain, and Rashad Jones went on injured reserve this week, and the Browns are getting players back. I mean, David Njoku should be playing in this game, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, they got Kareem Hunt back a couple of games ago from the suspension. Uh, you have a healthy Jarvis Landry, a, a healthy Odell Beckham, and a 1,000-yard runner in, with, in Nick Chubb in the backfield there. So, But sticking on Jarvis Landry, you know, obviously Dolphins fans, he was an idol here for four years. Most catches in the history of football in the first four years in the league. The Browns gave up a lot of money for him. They traded a fourth-round draft pick. What has been the return on investment so far? Uh, well, part of the issue has been this notion that, you know, Jarvis Landry came in and, and changed the culture of the Browns, which I always found fascinating because the Dolphins, at least nominally, 
were getting rid of him because they thought he was a negative on the culture. At least that was what Adam Gase sort of tried to put on him uh, when, when they let him go. Uh, I think his first year was pretty mediocre. Uh, he, he had way more drops than he was accustomed. It just wasn't very effective. He, he simply wasn't a number one receiver, which I think most Dolphins fans would concede anyway. He's more of a, you know, complimentary piece uh, as part of a group, a lot of forced touches, a lot of things that created balls to go to him immediately and let him do things after the catch. This year he's been far more efficient, and obviously Odell Beckham has played a role in that in, in, in changing how much coverage he's, he's demanding, but he's also just been a little bit more effective. He's, he's caught uh, more important passes. He's, he's made more plays after the catch. He's just been a little bit better. The chemistry between him and Baker Mayfield certainly looks better. Uh, so, you know, there's still drop balls this year, but just in terms of efficiency, he's way better than he was last year. And I don't think he's ever going to be worth the money they paid him. Uh, but he's at least a, a, a good contributing wide receiver. The, the issue is obviously, uh, or at least it was two weeks ago, is you were paying, you know, basically a billion dollars between Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and you were two and six. Um, it's a little bit more uh, palatable right now when you're four and six and you, you have a chance to sort of really get this uh, offense back to where you want it to be. But, you know, it's always going to be tough. And, and that contract's going to be a problem at some point, whether the Browns acknowledge that this year or if they're going to wait another year before they either try to restructure it or ultimately just move on. Um, at some, it seems more likely they'll try to approach about restructure, but, yeah, the, the money's never been particularly great uh, from the Browns' standpoint, but the play has been far better. Sure. Pete Smith joining us from Browns Maven SI, taking a look at the Cleveland Browns roster. And on the off offensive side of the ball for the year, Pete, the Browns are averaging 19.2 yards, or excuse me, 19.2 points per game. And the offensive line you talked about and you touched on for just a second there, Greg Robinson at left tackle, Chris Hubbard at right tackle have always appeared to me to be guards trying to play tackle in this league. I mean, I know, I know Greg Robinson was a former second overall pick who went to Auburn, busted out with the Rams, but has kind of resurfaced with a few of these teams. How much do you put on the offensive line for the Browns' struggles on offense this year? Um, certainly part of it is on the offensive line, but the reality is Greg Robinson and uh, Chris Hubbard, who I think is a tight end playing tackle, um, are playing the same level they were last year. Again, the difference really comes down to Baker Mayfield. And I think when they traded Kevin Zeitler, I think they understood that it was going to be difficult to sort of transition out of him. I don't think they realized how much uh, it was going to be a problem. The, the issue the, where he was really successful last year is so often, you know, that he would drop back to pass pass rushers would fly up the field. The tackles essentially keep passing them around. The interior was so effective with Betonio and Treader and Zeitler that there was always a nice pocket. He could step up. He could find space, either run with it or find an option and extend the play. And then this year you have Betonio and Treader who are still very good. But instead of Zeitler, you have or have had Eric Cush who was is a, a reasonably effective pass blocker, but he gives up a lot of ground, and that sort of eliminated some of the pockets. So Baker Mayfield didn't have a place to go, 
And as a result, he was dropping his eyes. He's trying to escape pockets that he shouldn't have. And that sort of created a lot of the issues. Uh, the last couple of weeks, they've been rolling with Wyatt Teller, who they traded for right before the season from the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. And Wyatt Teller has some issues to work out as a run blocker. But I think he's far better in terms of giving Baker Mayfield that pocket he can trust. So you're seeing more of the pocket movement he displayed last year. I think he has more space up front that he can do those things. So the tackle play is getting more criticism this year, but I think the reality is they are the exact same, which isn't good enough, and it's a real problem they need to address. But it's not what is ultimately hurting them to the point where it was reasonable to expect they'd struggle as much as they have. Bouncing back to the defensive side of the ball, obviously Denzel Ward's a Pro Bowl cornerback, and it seems like a lot of other teams are avoiding him. Uh, the Browns have a lot of issues here in the secondary with, uh, as you alluded to, they they cut uh, Terrence Whitehead a couple of weeks ago after a, a horrific game, and Morgan Burnett goes on injured reserve. Uh, Demarius Randall struggled a little bit this year. Uh, has been struggling a little bit this year. Eric Murray, strong safety, is not going to play in this game. And they've got Greedy Williams opposite Denzel Ward. And and that seems to really be the matchup that, that I'm looking at uh, with the Dolphins on offense. Because the Dolphins do run a lot of two wide receiver formations here. And you're going to have Denzel Ward probably matched up on Devontae Parker, you'd think, through most of the game. But uh, how's Greedy Williams performing at that other cornerback spot? And how's how's the rest of the secondary breakdown heading into this game? Well, uh, the safety position is down to who's left. Um, so Sheldrick Redwine may well start uh, the the rookie out of out of Miami, uh, who's a fourth round pick. Um, they've got uh, they have uh, what's his face. The other safety they've Justin got. Justin Burris. They, yeah, Justin Burris has, has actually been a pleasant surprise. They had him before, uh, and he's done some things. He's actually made some key plays. Green Williams uh, has has struggled a little bit. Uh, it's it's not that he's. I, I think he will ultimately be fine. But offenses have found a weakness, and they're going to keep attacking him. And the Browns don't actually. If, if they shade corners, it will be new. To this point, they've played sides the entire year. So Denzel Ward just plays the right, and Greedy Williams just plays the left. So my guess is that Devontae Parker will be on the left side the entire game, and they're going to take a lot of shots. They're going to try to see if they can get Greedy Williams to to grab, to do some get some penalties, which obviously had happened last week. Um, I, I think what Greedy is running into is he is not trusting his technique in terms of what he's supposed to be doing as man coverage guy. I think he's guessing at times, and I think he's lunging at times, and he's getting himself caught up, and then he's playing catch-up a lot. And that's where where the issue's sort of been. And, and you saw, you know, the Patriots really were the first team to just go after him. But even last week, Johnny Holton, I don't even know who Johnny Holton is. And yet the Steelers had no problem putting him on the left and just throwing ball after ball after ball over there. And they were able to get some things going. And obviously they, they, they struggled largely because Mason Rudolph just wasn't very good, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is better uh, at least theoretically. And Devontae Parker is better. So I would not be surprised in the least if the Dolphins try to come out, take a shot early, take shots often, find ways to sort of 
try to get Greedy Williams uncomfortable and get him lunging and guessing again because they may find the opportunity to make a big, big play and try to, you know, maybe get a lead early, get get some points quickly, and try to get the Browns into, uh, you know, here we go again as opposed to, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're here, we're better than they are, and, and we're going to prove it. And, and that, that may be an easy way for them to try to generate some big offensive quickly. Finally, Pete, uh, what's your prediction for this game? Well, despite everything, I still think the Browns will ultimately win. Um, first and foremost, the Dolphins front office really doesn't want them to win, uh, as illustrated by the fact that they injured reserve two more safeties before this game. Um, I, I, I sort of admire the Dolphins and the, the players and the coaches. They're sort of fighting out there. But they're just out of guys at this point, and they can be as, as plucky and hardworking as they want. Um, but their pass rush isn't very good, and, uh, you know, at this point, who's covering a guy like Odell Beckham? Who's covering a guy like Jarvis Landry? You know, if, if David Njoku is going to be activated, which I assume he will be, uh, they only have 51 active players on the roster right now, so it just stands to reason. If he's out there doing things, I, I just don't know how the Dolphins are going to match up and if, unless they're just going to try to blitz and hope for the best. I think they're they're in a world of hurt. Uh, but it would not surprise me if, given the issues the Browns have this week, if it's a high-scoring affair and just neither team can really stop the opponent. We are joined here by Pete Smith from Browns Maven SI. Uh, Pete, thanks for joining us here to break down the Browns roster. Oh, thank you for having me. And that will do it. For this segment on the Fin Side with Cat uh, and Paul, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin Side. So, Ladi, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the Fin Side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth left. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. DLM's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.